I'd like to ask you this morning to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 16. Many times in many messages I have referred to this passage of Scripture. Why? Because it's the very foundation of the Gospel. Beginning in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elijah, Elias. And others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Now friends, who you confess and believe Christ to be is absolutely a matter of life and death. Was he just a good man that did some good things? That's what many people think. Was he just a prophet? And I don't mean to belittle that office by saying just a prophet. Prophets though were merely men who were greatly used of God. But men nonetheless. Christ was much more than a prophet. Like John the Baptist, was he just another crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way? Or was he the one who was the way, the truth, and the life? That's the question of all questions. Who do men say that I am? How you answer this question in your heart distinguishes you as unbelievers or disciples. For first he asked the question, he said, who do men say that I am? And then he looked at those whom he loved and he said, who do you say that I am? So how you answer this determines, distinguishes which of those two categories you fall in. Now, our Lord Himself had said concerning John the Baptist, He said, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. But to say that He was John the Baptist, Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, was in His case to speak low of Him. And though He Himself was born of a woman, the one who stands before them asking this question is God. The Lord, He is God. We just read that in Psalm 100. And He's the one who formed John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah in their mother's womb. All things were made and created by Him. If you see Christ no more than just a prophet, regardless of how great a prophet you may consider him to be, then you have not seen him in the fullness of his glory. And you've not seen him as the Savior of your soul. This blindness, darkness, and lack of knowledge and understanding will only bring judgment and condemnation at the end of your days. The answers that were given to the disciples clearly show that men and women's natural, carnal, and worldly knowledge of Christ reveals their condition. They're lost, ruined, and undone. And asking this question concerning Himself, our Lord, as I said, made a distinction between two classes of people. 
named men and disciples. He inquired, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And these men formed their opinion and their judgment of Christ according to flesh and blood. They answered with nothing more than carnal reasoning. And more than likely, they said, Perhaps he's John the Baptist. Perhaps he's Elijah. Perhaps he's Jeremiah. Perhaps he's one of the prophets reincarnated. They answered upon natural and not spiritual ground. They discerned nothing of spiritual things. Their judgment was that of flesh and blood. What conclusion did they arrive at while guided by flesh and blood? The wrong one. The wrong conclusion. You see, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, we're told in First Corinthians 2.14. They're foolishness unto him. Foolishness. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. That's why it takes a divine revelation from God before a man or a woman will ever see. The difference between the lost and the saved, believers and unbelievers, is divine revelation given by God alone. In other words, well, what do you mean by that? I mean that God makes the difference. That's not hard, is it? God makes the difference. You don't make the difference. Don't ever think you make the difference. God makes the difference. And when God reveals Christ to a man and a woman, there is no uncertainty when asked who He is. They'll tell you straight up. He's Christ, the Son of the living God. God revealed it to him. Now we can clearly see in the next three verses the distinguishing grace and revelation that only God can give. The Bible is just so plain and so clear on and how it was accomplished without any participation whatsoever by the sinner. All who perish will perish due to lack of interest or complete rebellion. Verse 15, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And I'm sure you've had people say to you when wanting to know something about you, Can I ask you a personal question? Have you heard anybody ask you that? Can I ask you a personal question? Who do you say that Christ is? Who do you say that He is? It doesn't get any more personal than that. And you don't have to answer. God already knows what your answer is. Doesn't matter if I know it or not. And have you answered that urgent question in your own heart? Has God shown you? Have you come to the conclusion? The same conclusion that Peter did, as we'll see in a moment. This was a life and death question from our Lord. And friends, it still is today. It still is today. And you will never even see that. That it's a matter of life and death unless God reveals it to you. How many years did I wander in the wilderness of this life? Didn't care. Had no interest. None. Living for myself. Living to be happy and content. Never gave God a second thought. But God... One day in mercy and grace said, Arrest that man. Arrest him. Bring him before my throne of judgment. And he said, How do you plead? And when you stand before God, Almighty friends, you're going to plead correctly. Guilty. And then a preacher told me about my advocate. As I walked in the Sunday school room, I heard Desta teaching the young ones about a mediator. That's who I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about a mediator. One mediator who stands between sinful man and a thrice holy God. And He is our salvation. Hold your place and turn over to Matthew chapter 22. Just a few pages. Let's begin looking at verse 35. Verse 35. Then one of them... That, that certainly means that this, this man was a part of the group of the Pharisees because it goes on to tell us which was a lawyer asked him a question tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. On those two hang all the law. I heard someone say not long ago that it was their goal this year to try to keep all ten of the commandments. Good luck. I believed in luck. I'd say good luck. You can't keep two. You can't keep two. I can't keep two. I can't love God with all my heart, soul, spirit, mind unless it's in Christ. And I can't love you as I love myself. You know why? Because I love myself way too much. Wrote a little poem one time. I love myself. I am so grand. When I'm with me, I hold my hand. (laughs) That's about truth, isn't it? The whole of God's moral law is condensed into one thing. Love! Love! Love for God and love for one another. And notice what's going on even while the words are leaving the lips of the Savior. Verse 41. And I don't think I'm taking this out of context, but while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, and I know that that can mean while they were all in one place, but I can just picture this in my mind. The whole time that our Lord is answering the question of this tempting lawyer, the Pharisees who I... I'm sure planted him in the crowd to tempt him. I know they did. They were all huddled together. I can just see them huddled together, can't you? And they're listening with judgmental ears to his answer. And with piercing eyes of authority and power, our Lord looks them directly in their eyes and he asks them in verse 42, What think ye of Christ? What do you think of Christ? Whose son is he? In other words, who do you say that I am? Same thing. Who do you say that I am? Now let me say, I don't believe for a minute that the Pharisee believed that Jesus was the Christ. Their discernment could not and did not see past their pride. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth was their thinking. Uh, we know Mary and Joseph, his parents, and we've seen him in the carpenter shop. And may we not be too hard on them because I'm, I'm afraid we'd have, 
done the same thing. But I'm not taking up for their ignorance. He was the Christ, and their answer would also reveal their hearts and seal their predetermined fate as it did those in chapter 16. And then they gave this answer in verse 42. They say unto him, He's the son of David. He's the son of David. Now here's an instance where their answer was right, but it was completely wrong. After the flesh, Christ came through the lineage of David, so in that sense they were right. But to know Him as of the correct lineage will not produce for you eternal redemption, my friends. To know that He's the Son of David will not save your soul. To trust in Him as David's son will do you no good. Considering Him to be a great prophet, even though He was, God must reveal to you more than that concerning Him. Whose son is He? That's the question. Was He David's son or was He God's son? The religious, jealous, contemptuous Pharisees said He is the son of David. And they saw Him no more than that. And they weren't even, they didn't even uh, confess that Jesus was Him. They just speaking of the Christ. We believe Christ is the son of David, not Jesus Himself. And then our Lord does something amazing. You know what He does? He preaches the gospel to them. He does. Time and time again, our gracious Lord gave even the Pharisees opportunity for repentance. This is God, merciful, long-suffering. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. He must be the Christ. He must be the Son of David according to the flesh, but the Son of God according to the Spirit. And that's what you must see. Who do men say that I am? What? John the Baptist. Wrong. Elijah. No. Jeremiah. I don't think so. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. If Christ is a mere man, He's only the and only the Son of David according to the flesh. If He doesn't have any other or higher origin of birth than, than from Him, how does David, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God and His writing in the book of Psalms, call Him Lord? This is the point our Lord is trying to make to these self-righteous Pharisees. Does this not make Christ to be more than just His Son? Does this not make Christ to be one greater than David? One superior in every way? And look what happens in verse 46. And no man was able to answer Him a word, and neither durst any man from that day forth ask Him any more questions. The Word of God will shut men's mouths. And they'll shut us up to one thing. The mercy and grace of God Almighty or they'll expose our rebellion and wickedness and we'll perish. But it'll shut your mouth. If you truly hear it and truly see it. It's men's determined rebellion and enmity of mind and heart that keeps them from believing who He really is. Now back in chapter 16... 
verse 16, we see the answer of a sinner who has been truly taught of God. Have you been taught of God? If so, Peter's answer will be your answer. And Simon Peter, verse 16, answered and said, Thou art the Christ. Who do, men say, who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whose son is he, Peter? What think you of Christ? I can almost hear Peter, can't you? Well, we know from Scripture that he wasn't a bit bashful. No, I don't think for a minute, and this is just my opinion, that he made this profession with a calm, quiet voice. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. No, I believe he stood up in front of his brethren, and he had heard the answers that men had given to this question, and he'd been shown and taught from God on high who this man was and he had walked with him and he'd seen things with his own eyes that confirmed all that God taught him in his heart and I believe he stood up in the midst of his brethren and he said with a loud voice of certainty thou art the Christ you're the Christ you're the son of the living God you're not just the son of David after the flesh the Christ, the Son of the living God. And again, I ask you here today, I ask you in all sincerity, who do you say that this man is? Do you profess Him to be nothing than a mortal man? Or do you profess Him to be the immortal, eternal, immutable Son of God? Your answer, life and death. And I pray from the bottom of my heart that God will not give you any peace at all in your heart until you face this head on. I pray you leave here if you don't know Christ disturbed and troubled until God calls you to bow to who Christ is. That doesn't seem very nice. Let me tell you, that's the best thing in the world that me or anybody else could do for you. Trouble them, Lord. I pray the Lord trouble you till you see it. Only God can reveal this to you. It comes, as I said earlier, only by divine revelation, revelation from God. That is what we mean when we use that term, divine revelation. It simply means it was revealed to you by God and God alone. And there are divine privileges, friend, that go along with this divine revelation. Look at verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Peter, Blessed art thou, Eternally blessed, Simon Barjona, you are. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven revealed it to you. It's divine revelation. See what we mean by that? Flesh and blood can't reveal it. I can proclaim it to you, dear friends, but I can't reveal it to you. I can't. If I could, I would. Only God can do that. I can plant the seed. I can, I can water that planted seed by the preaching of the gospel to you, but only God can give the increase. 1 Corinthians 3 7. Only God can make it effectual, effective to your eternal soul. Do you want to know Christ in a saving way? Then ask. Beg. 
if you must. God, for He's the only one who can grant salvation to you. No wonder the beloved John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love. Now read on verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now this is one of the earliest places in the New Testament in which we find any mention of the word church. Our Lord says in verse 18, Upon this rock I will build my church. And it's very significant that our Lord should connect with the church the right idea of Himself. He's the head, we're the body. And we've already seen and considered the question which must be put to everyone who is to become part of God's church today. And church is not a building. It's just not. Church is a people who believe and trust in Christ, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ in which He's head. It's a church body. Whom say ye that I am? The first question to be put to anyone who would desire to be a part of this true church of God is what think ye of Christ whose Son is in? You can't be right in the rest until you think rightly of Him. Now, if I may, I want to clarify something else that's very, very important. And I'll be honest with you, for many years I misunderstood this. I misunderstood this. When our Lord says, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock, Upon this rock, I will build my church, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Never think for a moment That Christ meant that He would build His church upon Peter. That's not what He meant. Though the name Peter in the original language is Petros. And that means rock. This is where I used to get confused. The word, the name Peter means Petros, rock, or a stone. It does not mean that Christ built His church on such a weak little poor rock as Peter. I can assure you that. And then in the next phrase, Christ used the Greek word Petra. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know how to use a concordance. And I found this amazing. Petra meaning not upon Peter, but upon the divine revelation and profession of faith in Christ that Peter made. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus said, That's what I'll build my church on. That's what I'll build my church on. Christ. Me. Oh, and though Peter was living up to his name and demonstrating himself to be a rock by his... Profession. It was His declaration about the Messiah's person that Christ would build His church. Our Lord was commending Peter on His accurate statement and profession of Him as Christ, the Son of the living God. But listen, beloved, most importantly, He was declaring Himself. Christ was declaring Himself to be the solid rock. The solid rock on which the church was built. 
Look at verse 21 through 23. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now here's another reason I don't believe that God built his church upon Peter. Here we are, Peter has stood up in the presence of his brethren and boldly confessed that he had been revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here we are in verse 22, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Rebuke the Lord! saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. (laughs) Boy, you want to see something of the fickleness of man? The depravity of man? The sinfulness of man? He just makes this wonderful profession and now he's taking the Lord God Himself aside and saying, You ain't going to do this. No, sir, I'm not going to let it happen. That's exactly what he's saying. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Boy, he went from being the rock to Satan in no time at all. Never put your trust in a man, dear believer. Put your trust in Christ and look to Him alone. He said, Peter, you you savor not the things that be of God. You savor the things that be of men. Now let me be brief here. The the things that be of God mean His sufferings and His death, which were the appointment of God. The counsel of His will. The provision of His covenant. It was God's purpose for Christ to die. Peter said, No, sir, we're not going to let it happen. Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things that be of God. The things of God were the things foretold in the prophecies of the Old Testament in which the glory of His grace and power and justice was concerned. And what would be the end of the mission of His Son in this world? Christ came in the world to save sinners. How in the world is He going to do that? He's going to die in their place. It's the only way. Peter said, it ain't going to happen. Get thee behind me, say. You don't savor the things that be of God. The things of God were out of sight and mind and were not regarded by Peter at this time. He said, you're thinking about the things of men. He thought of nothing but worldly grandeur. And all the apostles did. Now, I'm not just being hard on Peter. You know, we say that about Judas also. But it's true of all of them. They thought of nothing but worldly grandeur in the kingdom of the Messiah. He longed, like the other apostles, to have Christ as a temporal prince to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans, set up a kingdom on earth. That's what they thought this whole prophecy of Christ meant. He loved the thought of the continuance of Christ's natural life for His own carnal and worldly advantage. And why wouldn't He? He was... One of the main men that had walked with him all those years. He told he would have pleased him. Let's, we're sinners. We're in this flesh. He'd have worldly advantage, and he would greatly under the he was greatly under the influence of a corrupt nature. No wonder Christ said, Get thee behind me, Satan. For at this time Peter's point 
of you favored the will of the wicked one. Christ built His church upon Himself. Friends, He is the sure foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. No natural man can fit that bill in any way, shape, or form. Now let me close and read you just a few verses of Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we'll uh, begin in verse 21. Just read eight verses here. Matthew 7, verse 21. Our Lord speaking here, and He said, Not everyone, not everyone, oh, that's a whole message in itself. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, and many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and we've been your preachers? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And the Lord Jesus says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which did what? Which built his house upon a rock. That rock is Christ. And the rain descended and the floods came, friends. There's going to be rains of trials and tribulations and floods of heartache and heartbreak. But your house will stand. The winds of life are going to blow and beat upon your house. And it fell not. It didn't fall. Why? It was built upon the rock. It was built upon Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground sinking sand. And everyone, verse 26, that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not should be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. It fell. And great, great was the fall of it. Great was the fall. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at His doctrine, for He taught them as one having authority. Oh, He did. He did. And not as the scribes. Oh, may the Lord have mercy upon our souls. Friends, Christ built His church upon himself the rock and it will not fall